Well, my name's Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And uh, welcome if you are here in the room or if you're watching online, you be checking things out there. Welcome as well. And we're uh, starting off a brand new series called Right Now. And I am so excited about it. it. It's really a brand new kind of semester for us. And here's what we really said. We said, all of us have a right now, right? There's kind of a season or a situation that we're in in life. And that situation or season is always new. So if you looked at me and you said, Ryan, what's your situation, right? What's your season of life? What's your right now? Like, what, what's it look like for you today? I would look at you and say, you know, here's kind of what my life looks like. I've got four kids. Uh, they're all between 10 and four years old. I've been married almost 15 years. And, and you might look at me and say, oh, that's kind of your family situation. That's where you find yourself in life. And if we're sitting down and having a conversation, you might look at me and say, man, you've been, you've been doing like the parenting thing for a while now. Like you, you probably are starting to get the dad thing down at least a little bit or the marriage thing down. Do it for almost 15 years. Wow. And I might look at you and say, you know what? Uh, I've learned a little bit about marriage and a little bit about parenting, but honestly, I've never been in this season before. I've never, I've never parented kids that are 10 years old before or had all of my kids in kind of in this sweet spot between four and 10 where we haven't hit puberty yet and nobody's in diapers anymore, right? It's a kind of a beautiful moment for me, honestly. It's awesome. I sleep through the night and uh, yeah, there's other things that aren't happening, which is great, right? That, that sweet spot um, in parenting, I've never done it, right? I don't know how to lead my children through this part because I've never done it before. I might look at you and say, yeah, I know my wife, Lori, and we've been married for a while. We've been married for 15 years, but I don't know what it's like to be married to her yet in our 15th year uh, with this part of parenting and with these life circumstances and in this part of kind of the life of my role as a pastor and all the different things have changed. And so now there's a new season that I'm in. And we could each individually look at each other and say, you know what, that, that's kind of how it is for me right now. Maybe you're a student and you might say, you know, I've been in school forever. I cannot wait. Maybe you're in high school. I can't wait to be done. 10 years of being in school. I remember being in high school my senior year thinking, I cannot wait to have this thing wrapped up. Please make it stop. Right? But, but I would look back at you and say, even though you've been a student forever and ever, isn't it true that you're probably in a unique situation, a unique season, that you've never been in this class with these students, in this teacher, kind of in this leg of the race. And that creates a unique moment, a unique right now for us to look at and figure out how do we navigate that. You know, maybe you're a new parent, right? Your mind is blown right now because this baby has come into your life. You're like, what do I do with this child? This is insane. You know, or maybe you've been a parent for 30 years and now you're wondering how... How do I be a parent now that my kids are grown and raised? Right? Do, I, do I still interact in the same way? Or how do I mature through this and love someone that's now an adult? Maybe you're a, a boss or maybe you're an employee. Maybe you got a brand new job or maybe you've been at a job for a gazillion years. You know, you've been there for a decade or two decades. And there's a situation, a season that would come out of each of those scenarios. If you're brand new, you might feel like, man, the learning curve is so high. I, I'm just trying to get my head around this. Or if you've been in a job that long time and maybe, maybe you've been there for a while, here's my guess. If we sat down and talked about it, I would venture to guess that even though you haven't moved, my guess is that your circumstances have changed all around you. And what that does is that creates a unique season, a unique moment, a different right now than maybe you've had before. Maybe you're single. 
You know, maybe you're looking at being single and you've come out of college or you're into your work life as a young professional and you're saying, hey, do, do I want to be single anymore? You know, am I open to kind of meeting someone and, and forming a marriage or do I want to be single for the rest of my life? What are my dreams? What are my hopes and ambitions? And how am I going to navigate this season that I'm in right now? Or maybe you're going through something super hard. You know, maybe somebody is sick or you've lost somebody, and you found yourself kind of being thrust into this situation that you didn't think you were going to find yourself in, how do we navigate that? Right? No matter where we are, if it's something kind of brand new, and it feels new, and I know it's new, or if it feels like a grind, in the kind of adult world, in the grown-up world, we're always going to find ourselves in these unique kind of moments or situations, and with that comes a range of emotions, right? I'm going to look at this new situation and feel overwhelmed and sometimes incompetent and think, I don't know what I'm doing with this. Sometimes we're going to feel stuck and stagnant and wonder, how do I, how do I break out of this and, and kind of grow through it? And so what we want to do in the course of this series is we, we want to look at our season, our right now, from a handful of different lenses. And so we're going to take a couple weeks, even over a couple months, to look at this over we kind of kick off a new semester here at Grace. And we want to look at how do I embrace my right now? And we want to do that from a few different lenses. We want to talk about that from the lens of my role in life. So we're going to spend some time really diving into what does it look like to be a mom or to be a dad? What does it look like to embrace my role as an employee or as an employer? What if I'm in the second half of life? I want to look at that and say, is there still vision for me? Can I make an impact or is my biggest impact behind me? We want to have a distinct conversation about that. We want to talk to students for a week and really look at what does student life look like to be in that season? And we're going to spend some time looking at our roles, kind of the distinct places we may find ourselves. And then we're going to have a, a chunk of time we're going to spend really looking at kind of the emotions that come out of adult life. We're going to have some really honest and transparent conversations about uh, kind of grown-up emotions that we all are going to face. Things like anxiety. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to face things like insecurity, loneliness. It's not so much if these pop up, it's more a matter of when. And when I bump into these emotions, how do I deal with them? What do, what do I say to those and how do I face those and process that stuff in a real way? And then we want to spend some time in the course of the summer looking at how do I make a decision? How do I, if I'm going to look at my season, my situation, my right now, I'm in the middle of that, but how do I know when to change it? How do I know when God is moving me or changing my season? Uh, is this situation that I'm in right now something that I should make a radical change in or should I try to find contentment in the middle of it? How do I filter all that stuff out? Well, these are big grown-up conversations and that's what we want to navigate through over the course of kind of the next handful of months. Making some big decisions, finding God's will, processing the emotions, and what we're really diving into now is starting this conversation called Right Now, looking at different pieces, different roles or aspects we may find ourselves in in life, in our life situation. That's kind of where we're going to go over the next handful of months, and I am fired up about it. And I think if you stick around over the course uh, of the summer, you're going to find this. I think you'll find a great deal of clarity about how to kind of embrace right where we are. Not where we've been, not in the past, not where we're going, but where we are today. And can I have some clarity and confidence about where God has me? 
And can I have some emotional intelligence about how to run through some emotions when they pop up? And can I know, God, this is really your will for me. And I want to have confidence in that. Because here's what we want to be able to do. In, in two or three or five years from now, we want to be able to look back at the season that we're in right now. At least I'm this way. I want to be able to look back and say, you know what? That season, I did that one the best that I could. Like I know that I did it. I did it the best that I know that God would want me to do. It doesn't mean that we're perfect, but we want to be able to do it right, right? With no regret and be able to say that season was like for real. I did it with everything that I had. I think we all want to live that way. I do. I like to live on purpose and want to find real meaning kind of right now, right? So here's what we're going to do today is we get this whole thing kicked off. All we're really going to be able to have time to do is kind of lay down a foundational conversation to get us in the right ballpark, kind of step one, right? So kind of an introductory conversation. And what we're going to do uh, is really look at three myths that show up. And these are just three that I came up with, right? You may have more myths that you might identify, but these are three that came to mind for me. And then we're really going to take some time and look at kind of God's perspective on our right now right, on our season, our situation. So that's what we're going to do uh, today, this morning, as we dive into it. And here's these three myths, kind of break them down and uh, look at them together. Here's the first one that came to my mind when I think about different myths that I'm going to believe about my situation or my season. The first one that comes to my mind is the one that I call the arrival myth. The arrival myth. And man, this one is one that I struggle with big time. Here's what the arrival myth sounds like when I believe it. Here, here's how it sounds. When I finish this part of my life, then I'll start living the life that I want to live. I'm going to read that again. When I finish this part of my life, then I'll start living the life that I want to live. It's always looking out into the future and saying, man, life is out there somewhere. It's not where I am today. It's out there somewhere. And, and some of you are going to be uh, visionary type people, and you're going to say, well, wait a minute, isn't that a good thing? Uh, isn't it a good thing to be focused out into the future and to be a person that has goals or vision or has some healthy ambition? And I would look at you and say, absolutely, that's a good thing. Absolutely, we should have a, a dream of maybe how God could use us or what he could do with our lives to a point, right? And this is where I would personally struggle with it because I love that stuff, I love dreaming about where we could go and what the future might look like and where God may be leading us and what could happen later. The problem is, is when I believe that the later is where life is and it's not, it's not necessarily right now. It's not where I am today. When I see there's a disconnect between where I am and where the future may go. And I think this tends to start super duper early. You know, I, I watch my kids do it right now, right? They're, they're 10, 9, 7, and 4. And so that's a lot of fun, right? They're, they're all looking at the next kid and they're all wishing that they could be where that next one is. Like my, my seven-year-old is convinced that, man, when I'm nine, like life is going to be amazing. I will be able to stay up a half an hour later. I'm going to watch PG movies like all things will be fixed, right? Because I'll no longer be where I am. I'll be in this next phase of life and I'll have this breakthrough. And that's, we're going to be kind of the same way. I remember, like I said, being in high school and being in my senior year. And if you're a student, you can maybe relate to this. And I was convinced that when I got out of this stupid school, right, when, I, when high school is over and I'm in college, life will be amazing, right? I was like, this is going to be awesome. I can't wait for this piece to end and for me to be jumped into this next 
section, but here's how it goes, and we all know this is how it works. Whenever we finish this one, whether it's finishing high school or finishing college, we're always going to be kind of on to the next thing, right? Because once I'm in college, then I'm going to start to ask the question, well, who am I going to date? Can I, find, can I find a wife? Or if you're a lady, maybe can I find a husband? And when I find that person, when are they going to ask the question, right? When am I going to ask it? Or when is it going to get popped to me? When are we going to get married? And once we get married, then this will happen. Once this phase is over, then I can really start living. Once we find a house and once we pay off the student loans and then once, right, once the kids start to come and now, well, once the kids are in school, well, once the mortgage is paid off and now that the kids are gone, well, when are we going to have grandkids? And when's, when's retirement? Once we get done with this phase, then my life will really b- begin. It's crazy, right? I had a, a wake-up call about a year ago. I, I got uh, sick with viral meningitis. I'm okay, don't ask, don't worry. But I got hit by this like thing that knocked me out for about four to six weeks. We really had to sit down. You know, I kind of, I had no option. I just had to be hospitalized and put, right, put in bed. And uh, as I was kind of sunk down and had to stop living life kind of for a minute, God woke me up to some things. Because I'm like you, all right? I'm busy and I'm living life and I'm chasing the next thing. This is how it worked. I, I went through college and I got married young and we had a kid and then we had another kid and then we had another kid and we had another kid, right? Like things are happening. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And then all of a sudden God's like, sit down, right? I'm like, talk to me real quick. And, and what I realized is that during that downtime, where I really didn't have an option, I couldn't get up and chase something else, I started to realize that my perspective was always out there in the future. It's always focused on the next thing. Boy, I'm chasing that next breakthrough, that next life stage, Right, this next accomplishment. And I wake up and go, God, look what you've given me. Like right now. Wow, you, got, you gave me a wife that loves me and these kids that are awesome and they're excited when I walk in the door and they run and greet me. Like I, I get to be a person of influence in people's lives. Like this is amazing. Before that, I would say there, there's this discontent that I'm always chasing the next thing. What is that? That's me believing the arrival myth. So over the last year or so, I've been trying to practice recognizing when I start to lock into this. This thing drives me crazy because it steals my, my joy today, right? It, it takes away from what maybe God wants to do in and through me right now. It's the arrival myth. It's kind of the first one. And if the arrival myth looks forward, uh, this next one really is going to look kind of backwards. Call this one the nostalgia myth. The nostalgia myth. And here's how the nostalgia myth works. If this nostalgia myth could talk to us, it's going to look backwards in time. And here's going to sound something like this. If I could go back to where I was, then I would be where I want to be. If I could go back to where I was, then I would be where I want to be. And just let me start here even by saying this. Is it normal to get hit by a wave of nostalgia every once in a while and to reminisce? And absolutely, right? That stuff is totally good and it's totally normal. I usually get kind of sappy around Christmas and think back just like everybody else does. And we remember old times. That's all good stuff. That's fine. What I'm talking about with the nostalgia myth is there's a, a season of life or time that, that when I think about life, I think about this, 
I go back to when, right? Back, back when I used to date that girl or when I dated that guy. Man, that's when life was really awesome. And, and it feels like the best part of my life is frozen, like somewhere back there. And sometimes it's even all the way back to childhood. You know, we start to get a little overwhelmed by life and we start to think, you know, if I could be a kid again, it would be so awesome. You know, remember just hanging out, playing with Legos, no responsibilities, you know, and hanging out, no, no bills to pay, no people needing anything from me. Life was really awesome way back there. It's amazing. If I could just go back, that would be where life really is. The nostalgia myth, you know, and if you played high school sports, you know how this works, kind of replay it over in your mind, and man, if I could go back and do that, then I, I, I would do it differently, or if I could relive that, right, going to state, or if I could, that would be amazing. You know, you know what you get when you start doing that? You get Uncle Rico. Right? Did you guys see uh, Napoleon Dynamite? I gave you a little picture here of Uncle Rico. Uncle Rico is a, is a guy who was uh, fixated, you know, on going back in time. He's probably in his 40s, but he was convinced that he should go back to 1982 <laughs> and win the state championship, right? And if you missed Napoleon Dynamite, let me just say you missed absolutely nothing, right? It was a, kind of a cultural experience, but interesting. Uncle Rico, though, he was a guy that was fixed back here in time, and his life would not progress. He's kind of stuck there, and he was convinced if he could go back there, then he would be exactly where he needs to be. And this just happens. What's funny about Uncle Rico is that everybody has a little bit of Uncle Rico in them. That's why he's hilarious. There's a little bit of that in all of us. And we're going to be drawn back to days where there was less stress, maybe I was happier, and where things were really kind of cooking, you know. Nostalgia myth. The problem with the nostalgia myth is this. My heart and mind gets frozen back here in time. And again, I miss the wonder, the amazement of whatever it is, whether hard or fun or difficult, whatever God is doing in my life right now. I miss it. It gets robbed from me because I'm living in the past. Okay? The arrival myth, the nostalgia myth, one looks forward, one looks backward. And then the, the last one that came to my mind is something I call the filtered life myth. The filtered life myth. And how the filtered life uh, myth sounds is something like this. Here we go, filtered life myth. Sounds like this. If my life looked like theirs, then I would have what I want to have. If my life looked like theirs, then I would have what I want to have. Here's how I think this plays out. All of us are going to filter our presentation of ourselves to each other. That's just normal. It's probably a good thing, right? If we all knew what was, we're all thinking all the time, and that, that probably would be unhealthy. It probably wouldn't be a good thing. Now, you add social media to that where I can take my self-presentation and I can crop it and edit it and filter it and perfect it, and now all I present to you is this perfected view of who I am all the time, and we all do that, and that's not a bad thing. Social media is not a bad thing. What it does, though, is this. It puts in front of our faces the highlight reel of a filtered life of all the people that I know. Everybody's kind of best moments and their perfected moments in front of us all the time. So what happens then, and when I look through the filtered myth, uh, filter life myth lens, is I start to see everybody else's life and think, man, if I had a life like theirs, then my life would be awesome. If I had a husband like that or a wife like that, 
how are those people always on vacation, right? Like somehow they're always on vacation and it's raining here forever. Like this is unbelievable, right? We're going to look at their lives. And if I could have had the break that they had or the house, how do they get that new house? And boy, they're having a baby and we're struggling and you name it, right? It goes on and on and on and on. I'm going to look at other people's lives and, and wish and hope and think if I could have that, man, then I would have what I want to have. It's all around us. It's a filtered life myth. And the problem is sometimes when things don't feel as perfect as everybody else's life feels, we can start to feel like uh, almost a sense of paralysis. How do I even move forward? What do I do? My life's not like theirs. How do I move forward? What do I do with my season right now? How do I embrace it? So these are the three that I came up with, arrival myth, nostalgia myth, filtered life myth. And, and here's really what I think God would call us to, something called the right now reality is what I called it, the right now reality. And here's how I would view this. We are in a situation right now. We're in a reality. And I would even like you to take a moment and think about where yours is today. Right? Just take a moment and think about it. Well, what's, what's your season of life right now? Are you married? Are you single? Are you the boss? Are you an employee? What neighborhood do you live in? What family are you a part of? Did you just move? Is something new? Are you in a grind? What's the emotional state? Kind of get that picture in your mind. It's kind of hard to stop and actually capture it, isn't it? Like, oh, this is kind of where I am right now. If you get that in your mind, capture that. And now I want you to maybe think of that throughout the rest of our conversation. Here's how the right now reality works. And here's the first part of it. First part sounds like this. Right now, I am where I am on purpose. Right now, I am where I am on purpose. And I want to show you this from the scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 17 through 24. And what we're going to find from God's word and his perspective is uh, kind of a, a mind-blowing perspective that would say that we are not here by accident. We haven't kind of stumbled into this situation. In fact, God would have us there on purpose. And as you're turning there, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, if you don't have a Bible, you can grab one from underneath your chairs there. It's page 796 in those Bibles. Open up in the app. That's fine as well. And here's what's happened in 1 Corinthians. This letter is really a letter that the Apostle Paul is writing to a church he helped start in, in the city of Corinth to a, a group of Christ followers. And really, here's the whole letter in a nutshell. He's basically answering their questions, and he's dealing with some concerns that he has about the church. Questions and concerns. That's the whole book, right? Him dealing with the questions and him addressing concerns he has about them. And one of these concerns that he has that has popped up in this church is the Corinthians, a wealthier church, right? They're looking at their life situation. They're starting to ask questions about their status or their season, their situation in life. So they're looking and they're saying, hey, um, I I'm single. Should I get married? I'm married to somebody who doesn't follow Jesus. Should I leave that person and go find somebody who does love Jesus and marry that person? They had slavery in this time, and I, almost, I want you to erase our, almost our view of American slavery from our history. It's completely different. 
largely different. Most of how slavery worked in this time would be more how we would think of almost as employment. Uh, people were taken care of financially. Uh, often it was a healthy relationship. Sometimes it wasn't, but just like today, really, right? Sometimes employment relationships are unhealthy, but often it was a healthy relationship and people were more like employees than we would think of slaves in our day, right? And so these slaves were looking and saying, should I get free? Should I leave my job is kind of how we would view that. Should I go find a different one? They were asking that question. There were Jewish people saying, should I live like a Gentile or a non-Jewish person? There were Gentile people saying, should I act like a Jewish person now? They were looking at their status or their situation and they were focusing on it. They were zooming into that and they were asking the question, should I change this because I want my life circumstances maybe to change? Here's what Paul would say to this. I want you to listen to this a profound set of truths here. 1 Corinthians 7, 17, he says, Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. This is the rule I lay down in all the churches. Was a man already circumcised when he was called? He should not become uncircumcised. Was a man uncircumcised when he was called? He should not become circumcised. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. Keeping God's commands is what counts. Each person should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. He says, were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you. Although if you can gain your freedom, do so. For the one who is a slave when called the faith in the Lord is the Lord's freed person. He says, similarly, the one who was free when called is Christ's slave. He says, you were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of human beings. Brothers and sisters, each person as responsible to God should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. So Paul's looking, saying, guys, you are, you're, you're focusing on kind of the wrong set of questions. You know, we're all going to end up being really concerned about these kinds of issues. Should I get married? Should I stay single? Should I get this job or get that job? Should I move or should I stay? Right? And when he talks about circumcision, he's saying, should I, should I live like a Gentile or live like a Jew? And there's a, something that's happening in this realm, in this time. And what God would care about is, is something a layer deeper than that, a layer deeper than what status I have, what role I have, what season that I'm in. He would say, in fact, God's going to use that season to accomplish a deeper set of goals that he would have. And here's how I, I kind of think about it. I think about this uh, the way that I think about it with my kids. I think about what God wants for us it tends to help me think about how I think about my kids and what I want for them. So it's totally normal. I've got uh, a boy and three girls and, you know, my son will look at me and he'll ask me, you dad, what, what do you think I'm going to do when I grow up? Like for a living. And we'll have a conversation about that, you know, and I have some thoughts and opinions, of course, like all of us do with our kids, if you have kids, about what he should do or what he might do. But I'm, I'm real careful with my son to not tell him, boy, but you should do this and be directive with him. I don't care if he's a, a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, as long as he's using his God-given gifts, I think that God could effectively use him in all kinds of ways, right? So to, to provide a living for his family and to provide an impact in this world, that could, that could look a gazillion different ways. And I'm okay with that. What I, what I care about is that he becomes a certain kind of person, and that could show up in this job or this job or this job and this job. And my daughters will look at me 
my three daughters, and, and they'll look at me and say, Daddy, uh, do, you, do you, think, you think I'll ever get married? You know, I'll look back at them and I say, you're never getting married. <laughs> but after they recover from that, we talk about them getting married at 45, and then, then we process it. But the whole point is, is they're looking, they're saying, Daddy, you think I'm going to get married? Am I going to be a mommy? You know, and they want, I can tell already, I can see it in their eyes, they want that more than anything else. It's beautiful. It's a wonderful desire that my daughters have. And I say, honey, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you'll be single or if you'll get married or if you're going to have children. I don't know any of that. Or I, I, sir, I hope God gives you that. I say, Ryan, what do you care about for your kids then? You don't care about what job they have or if they get married or not. If they, what is it? When I think about my kids... I, I care that they become a certain kind of person and that they are faithful kind of with, with what God has put them in like right now. Because I know that if they do this part, they embrace this part, it's going to set them on a trajectory and they're going to have a new set of seasons to interact with. And as they work through that, they're, they're going to take another set of steps and it's going to move them down a road where they're going to become a certain kind of person. And then I know that God has them in a specific situation right now. Well, because I think that's true for us. That's what Paul's saying here in verse 17. Listen to this verse. Powerful. You should underline it, highlight it, memorize it maybe. Verse 17, Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer. This is to a follower of Jesus. If you follow Jesus today, this is specifically for you. If it's not, if you are kind of investigating Jesus today, this is what God is looking at, somebody who follows Christ and saying, I want you to live this way. I want you to live in your situation as a believer. Are you single? Live as a believer in your singleness. Are you employed? Live as a believer in your employment. On and on and on. And then this is what's so fascinating. Live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. Is it possible that where you and I find ourselves right now, that that in fact is not an accident? That, that this situation, this season that we're in, it is not a, a situation to escape, it's a calling to embrace. Is that possible? That right where you are right now is right where you're supposed to be. That we haven't wandered off in and off God's path and God is right judging us or he's right where we are right now. God wants to meet us right in the middle of that. And man, it might be messy. Who knows what it looks like? It might be fun. Whatever that season is, is actually it's, it's not something to be flipping about. It's a calling, it's something to embrace, it's something to look at and say, God, this is where you have me. I'm here on purpose. It's not an accident. And you want to do some things in my life, not in the future or not in the past or not in somebody else's life, but in my life right now. What if? What if we are where we are on purpose and what if our season it's not a situation to escape. It's a calling to embrace, right? The right now reality. That's the first part of it. Here's the next part. Right now, God is offering to work in me. Right now, God is offering to work in me. 
It's a fascinating reality that, that more than anything else, what God cares about is he cares about our hearts and our lives and he cares about what kind of people we want to be. And I care about what I'm doing and I care about where I'm going and I care about all these situations that, that we're going to find ourselves in just like you do. But at the end of the day, what God cares about is something deeper. He cares about our hearts and we see this show up in a big way in this passage in the book of James. This is one of the first passages I ever learned in the Bible. Uh, this one blew my mind. You can listen if you want. If you want to turn there, you can. It's just a few verses. Let me read it to you. James 1 says this, starting in verse 2. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. See, God is looking at our unique right now situation, right? And all of them come with some level of, of challenge and opportunity, maybe what the Bible would call trials. Because we live in a sinful, fallen world, every kind of life situation and stage we're going to find ourselves has difficulty with it. And it might be really, really hard. It might be like the hardest thing that you've ever done. Yeah, or it might be kind of fun and there's only a little bump in the road every once in a while. But either way, God is looking at that situation and he's saying, I want to use this situation. I go so far as to say that this custom-made situation that uniquely is there to, to grow you in tailor-made ways to help you become like Jesus. And he's not looking at you and saying, I want you to find joy in these circumstances. I'm, I want to make sure you know that. He's not looking at you and saying, I want you to find joy in this horrific trial if you're in the midst of immense pain. God doesn't rejoice in that. What we consider joy with what James is saying here is the change, the work that God is doing in us. That's what we rejoice in. God, that you're changing me. I remember uh, my wife, uh, Lori, and I, we went through some infertility uh, in the beginning of our marriage. And I remember it was immense suffering, you know. And this, this truth is something really that we should hear from God and probably more than we should say to each other. Right? When someone is suffering or they're hurting, we, we need to maybe ourselves run and find this from God's word, but we want to be careful about just throwing that out to each other because sometimes when the pain is immense, we're not ready to hear it. But the reality is this, God is looking to use whatever situation we're in, whether it's new or overwhelming, whether we feel like we're over our head or we feel like this is so boring, I am stagnant and stuck and I, I'm going to lose my mind, right? And whether it's overwhelming to the point where I am, I feel like I'm going to go under and I can't go on. God has us in a, a crucible and he is changing us and molding us and shaping us. I might just posit this question to you. Is it possible that God actually loves you enough, loves me enough to put us in these, in these situations? Because this custom-made situation is gonna do things in our lives that maybe another situation, maybe an easier one wouldn't do. Right? Did God know that that I needed to sit down a year ago with meningitis and find a perspective that I probably wasn't going to find anywhere else. I look back in that and say, boy, that was, I needed that. I needed to go through that. 
And I realize that if you're in the middle of immense suffering, you're not ready to embrace that and that's okay. Give yourself lots of room for it. But God is waiting, he's open, he's offering, and he's looking at you and I, and he's saying, listen, I'll meet you right in the middle of the season, no matter what it looks like. If it's messy or if it's hard or if it's fun, I am right here and I want to be in it with you and I want to work in you through it. It's the right now reality. I am where I am on purpose. God is offering to work in me. And here's the, the final one. Right now, God is offering to work through me. God is offering to work through me. One more passage I want to show you in, first, or in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And if we read the back half here of chapter 5, we would find the Apostle Paul is talking to this church about kind of their impact and the fact that we are Christ's ambassadors to the world, that we are to bring a message of hope and reconciliation between God and people. And in verse, chapter 6, verse 1, here's where he starts. He says, as God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. So we're going to stop there for a minute. He's going to look at the Corinthians and say, listen, don't receive God's grace, his favor in vain. So what are you talking about? The, the grace of the, the reality that God sent his only son, Jesus, to this world to live a perfect life. He would die an innocent death. He'd be buried. He would raise from the, the dead. And he would then offer to forgive us of our sins, no matter what we've done, no matter where we've been. That's God's grace for us. Paul would look and say, Corinthians, don't receive that message, the message of God's grace. Don't receive Jesus in vain. Don't waste it, in essence. Don't, don't receive this hope that we've been longing for and just kind of squander it. Here's what he would say. For he goes on, verse two, for he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you, and in the day of my of salvation, I helped you. And he's quoting the prophet Isaiah from hundreds of years before. And when Isaiah was talking hundreds of years before, the people that Isaiah was talking to were looking for hope, longing for hope. And Isaiah would talk to that group of people and say, they would say, someday hope is coming. It's down the road and look for it and wait for it. And here's what Paul would say. He would quote Isaiah and he would say, listen, I tell you, that hope that the people of Isaiah's time were looking for, that hope is now able to be found. He says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Say, so what, what you're looking for, it's here. It's right now. Right now. If I'm a follower of Jesus, I have found a hope that people have been looking for forever. I found a hope that people are longing to find right now in my life. This is why Jesus would look at his disciples, his followers, and he would look at them and he would say things like, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of Starbucks or Apple or Kent State or Akron U or Suma or Children's or wherever you find yourself. You are the, the change, the, the light point in a dark place. I want to work through you. Is it possible that God has not placed me at this stupid job and I can't wait to get out of it? And is it possible that God has placed me here so that I might make an eternal impact in the lives of these, these people that are around me? 
and the people that grind on me and frustrate me and my neighbors, if he just cut his lawn and then if that person would stop gossiping and they're always talking. What, what if those people are people that are not in my life or in your life on accident? What if they're there on purpose? And that actually you, you are there and you are planted there on purpose. What if God wants to work through you in that way? The right now reality. What if right now, this season, not in the future, not, not when all the dominoes fall, not in the past, not when things were awesome and easy, the glory days, not somebody else. Right? It's not, boy, if I was Pastor Jeff, then God could use me. You, now. What if God knit you together in your mother's womb and God chose you for a purpose and a reason and he is forming you for something that's far beyond anything we would even be able to understand today? And it's all kind of happening right now. What if that's possible? Guys, I know this is a big conversation. Big. And over the next weeks and even months, we're going to continue to unpack different aspects of it, like we talked about. How does this look for moms or dads or if I'm single or if I'm a boss, right? All those different things. Well, what if I get insecure and lonely? And, and how do I make decisions? How do I know when to change my season? We're going to dive into all that. We're going to look at all those things. But all this has to start today with recognizing that you are not where you are by accident. Do you hear that? Is that possible? That your life actually matters enough that God would go to such great lengths and intentionality to put circumstances right in a specific way to, to change you and mold you and train you and use you? Is that possible? The loving God, the same God that would send his son to such great lengths to suffer and die and pay for me is the same one who will lead and arrange my life with specificity that I might find him in the middle of it. Is it possible that God wants to meet you right in the middle of this thing, right in the middle of the mess? And he has specific things that he's trying to teach me. He's trying to teach you. These are some questions we might walk away with. I might ask you this. If you had to, if you had to nail down like, man, what is God teaching me right now? Where I am today? With, with that season in mind that we just talked about. Would, be, would there be an answer to that? How, how is God working through me, maybe right now, where I would be able to have clarity about that? I think we end our time here moving towards a place where we can embrace where God has us right now. God, will you meet me in the middle of it? Maybe it's super hard. Maybe it's super overwhelming. Maybe it's, I'm so restless. I, I, I want to find someone to marry and I can't. God, get me out of this. I'd change my job. I hate being here. 
whatever it looks like, would you be open to the possibility that God has you here for a, a reason right now? Would you wrestle with God on that? As the band comes out, I'd love for us to, to pray and to ask God to show us what he's doing in us right now, what he wants to do. Would you pray that way? Will you sing and worship? Thank God for what he's doing in and through us. Let me pray for us. Father, we want to say thank you. Lord, thank you that we don't have to get our act together to come to you. You know what we long for. You know what, what we long to see our lives look like. Lord, you know what we've done. You know where we've been. You forgive and you offer to forgive all of that. Lord, you offer to meet us right in the middle of this. And God, I, I pray for everyone who can hear the sound of my voice right now. And Lord, for many who know you, Lord, I, I pray for those who have a relationship with you that they could believe that you love us enough to work through the specific circumstances we're in today. God, for those who were maybe drug in here by a friend, Lord, I, I pray that you would cause them to see that it is not an accident that they find themselves here today. That it is your love and your intentionality that has drawn us together to hear about your truth and your love and what you want to do in our lives today. God, I ask for all of us over the weeks and the months to come, God, would you change us? Would you make us like you, like Jesus? Would you work in us and would you work through us in ways that is beyond our imagination? God, help us to, to see it and to say thank you to you for your intentionality and your care and your love and your presence each and every day. God, thank you. Would you meet us here even, even right now?